Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullies, and I don't like threats. And I don't like you, color. Thank you for joining us on The Janeway, the Voyager podcast where my wonderful co-host Liam Smart and I, Suzanne Williamson, look at Voyager episodes to work out whether our favorite captain has approached things the right way, the wrong way, or the Janeway. Before we get started with today's episode, why not give us a follow on Twitter at the Jane underscore way, and also join our network's Facebook community for our listeners called The Nexus, where you can discuss this episode and all of the other shows that we have on Holosuite Media, including the new episodes of Blast Shield, our Lower Decks podcast. So Suzanne, how are you today? I'm doing well, Liam. How are you? I'm good. At the time of this recording, I just made it past my first stage of my graduate application with the Bureau of Meteorology. I'm so excited. I didn't think I'd make it through the first stage, so yay. Other than that, it's winter and it's bloody cold. That is awesome news, and I wish it was bloody cold here because it's like 100 degrees Fahrenheit. No, I wish it was 100 degrees Fahrenheit here. I miss summer. No, thank you. No, no, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I will die on this hill. You are wrong. It was it was only nine degrees Celsius yesterday. It was freezing. Well, not literally, I obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> But close enough. But close enough that like I don't know, I had like fripples or something. It was freezing. I didn't like it. Bring back thirty eight. Fr- fripples? Yes. What what are fripples? You never heard of fripples? No. I suggest I you Google them. I'm going to guess freezing nipples. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, okay, good. Maybe don't Google them. <laughs> <laughs> not safe for work Googling. We condone all sorts of not safe for work Googling on this show, don't we, Suzanne? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> so last episode, we went through Caretaker and we found out that we all well, we didn't find out. We decided that Janeway did things in the Janeway in that episode. We're not going to be going through just episodes of Voyager. We don't want to be a pure episode review show. So we're going to be doing some things in between those shows. And we'll come back to Parallax very shortly. But today we thought we'd talk about Voyager as a show itself and its conception and what it's about and so on. I do believe it's about people getting lost in space, but I could be wrong. Lost in space. Oh, wait, wrong show. Danger, 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 Will Will Robinson, Robinson. danger. (laughs) Danger, Chakotay, danger. (laughs) That would be Neelix doing it too. Oh, no, can you? He stands like that sometimes, doesn't he? He Yeah, I may be doing a Neelix movement. Let's, let's, (laughs) good job. This is not a video recording podcast, I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're ridiculous. (laughs) Just a little bit. I do remember the hype for UPN. 
and the brand new network coming because it just happened like maybe a week after the WB started. Yeah, there's like a whole new two networks or something in America. I mean, I don't remember this, A, because I'm not American, and B, I was... You were like two? (laughs) No, I was five. (laughs) Oh, okay, five. Still wet myself probably a lot. It happened after your bedtime. It did happen after my bedtime in a completely different country. (laughs) (laughs) So what was the hype like for WB and UPN? Because UPN was uh, Paramount's new network, and I think WB was something similar. Warner Brothers. Oh, that makes sense. It was Warner Brothers. <laughs> I remember there actually being more hype for Warner Brothers than for UPN, at least in Central Florida there was. Oh, yeah. Why? Just because of the kinds of shows that were on there? or I think it made basically the, t- the types of shows that were going to be on there. Also, we had a WB store in the Florida Mall that I love to go to all the time. Oh, okay. Is that like a Pokemon store, but for Warner Brothers stuff? For Warner Brothers stuff, so it had... Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, Taz, and me being a huge Daffy Duck fan, I always had to go in there and get something Daffy. So if you're saying Star Trek Voyager was on WB, you would have like a Daffy Duck cameo? (gasps) Oh, you could cast Chakotay. Well, Daffy Duck as Chakotay, that would have been perfect for me. What? (laughs) I want to see that hybrid. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, God, no, please don't. Please don't. I need to I need to Photoshop that. Elma Fudd would be Neelix. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> Kess would be Tweety Pie. Oh, definitely she would. Yeah, Tweety. And then I'm running out of, I can't remember which is like Hanna-Barbera characters and which ones are Warner Brothers. But I mean, this is not what our podcast is meant to be about. No, no. <laughs> this is just tangent lane. We wander down it every now and again. So anyway. Voyager was the staple show for UPN, which was, according to the president of UPN anyway, meant to be aimed at young males, that network. Then why was I watching it as a young female? Because they clearly had no idea. I mean, I'm fairly sure like, the young male demographic back in that time was something that was sought after, and they probably didn't have a whole female demographic in mind that would actually want to watch decent shows. No, they pretty much still don't. No, that's probably true. Although they do they do swing me over. Oh, then again, I'm a young male. I forget that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the network pretty much wanted Rick Berman to create a new Star Trek series because they knew TNG was ending. And obviously TNG was mm-hmm. super, super popular. It was like a ratings powerhouse. It was nominated for Emmys and yeah. Well, yeah. But it didn't start out that way. No, it sucked. And if I'm honest, it's still one of my least favorite. It's probably one of my least favorite shows just just before TOS because TOS is my least favorite. But then I put TNG yeah. down there as well. I, I don't personally get it, but I, I'm perfectly fine people having it as their favorite shows. I'm not one of those, you can't watch it kind of people. How dare you? You know, the line is drawn here. No further. <laughs> no further. To me, Voyager and Deep Space Nine are my favorite ones, followed by Discovery mm-hmm. and Lower Decks is up there, even though I feel like I had a heart attack watching it because everything was going on. <laughs> it was fast paced, wasn't it? Very fast paced. So, I yeah. loved it. I was like, yes, finally. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, everything's going on at once. I can't handle. Ah. <laughs> uh, so with, with that, they decided that they could go to a show that was on a ship exploring space because obviously DS9 was mm-hmm. concurrently running with the static space station kind of thing. Yes. 
Should they have named it after a minivan and then have a female captain get lost in space? No. No, they should not have. <laughs> what? Is, is, is that the name of a van? Seriously? Yeah. A Voyager was a minivan. Oh, nice. So, so then you put a soccer mom captaining it and you get her lost in space. I'm like, really? Were there all those rubbish like really? kind of... Do that? Can you imagine then if memes were a thing in 1995? Oh, gosh. That would have been like the most prevalent meme. Without a doubt. What do you think, though? Like, they've obviously chosen a female captain. I was so excited about that, though. And how did that make you feel? Over the moon. I was over the moon. I was like, yes, finally. Because we had been teased with female captains before. There was a female captain in The Voyage Home. There was Captain Rachel Garrett. Mm -hmm, The sea. An Enterprise captain. I was like... So finally, we get a female captain with her own show. It was about time. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of issues, though, with choosing the actress for the show. Obviously, they started off with Jean-Vierre Bougeot, which, mm-hmm. you know what? Like, if you don't know that Jean-Vierre Bougeot was the original choice, I feel like you might have been hiding under a rock. But if not, <laughs> and you were hiding Why? under a rock, Jean-Vierre Bougeot was like a famous French-Canadian actress, I believe. I think I think you might be right. I know French was in there somewhere. Yeah, well, by the name, yes. <laughs> uh, she was she was chosen to run. She was warned apparently about all the rigors of episodic television and the you know fifteen, mm-hmm. sixteen, seventeen hour days that they'd have to work to pump out twenty six shows in a season. And then yeah. she quit two days into shooting yeah. Caretaker. Oh, I didn't think this through. My bad. Bye. Whoopsie doodles. <laughs> So that that caused a great big panic, and Rick Berman came out to say that it was mainly Pillar and Jerry Taylor, or Michael Pillar and Jerry mm-hmm. Taylor, who were the other show creators that really were in love with Jean-Vierre Bujold and wanted her to be the captain. But Rick Berman wasn't sold, obviously. He actually ended up wanting Kate Mulgrew from the outset, or at least that's what he said. Yeah. And I think Kate Mulgrew is an amazing actress and perfect for the role. She is by far up there in terms of actors in Star Trek that just smash their role. Because let's face it, there are some that are a little bit wooden and underdeveloped and you can tell that they're acting. Yes, there are some, but she is definitely not one of those people. She can say so much just with an eyebrow. Yes, just or just with the look in her eyes or even the tiniest movement of her like face muscles. And That is talent, yes. pure talent. Not only did they have issues choosing and keeping their main actress they had issues with her hair Ugh. why couldn't they have just left it alone because you see in the original photos that they filmed of the pilot episode where she came in and was doing everything her hair was just in her natural hair it was like a little bob why couldn't they have left it like that instead of putting it in that giant bun thing and then messing with the bun all the time and then making it a french twist and never quite Knowing what to do with it, why didn't they just leave it alone? Do you think they wanted to make her more commanding? Just because of like... She could be I mean, commanding with her hair down. I mean, I know that. I'm, I'm, I'm not at all defending the whole idea, but do you reckon they were like, oh, you must have like a really strong haircut? You know, I'm, I'm assuming this is what it used to be like. It probably is still like in certain cases, but back in the 90s. They weren't messing with Chakotay's hair and he was a captain. Come on. Yeah, I, I don't understand the hair thing because the actor can just portray everything that they can do with their face. What? Who gives a shit what their hair looks like? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was exactly. only trying to play devil's advocate when I was saying a more commanding style, but 
seriously, it, it doesn't mean anything. She's an amazing woman and an amazing actor, and she smashes the role of Jamie regardless of what her hair looks like. And then they eventually stopped messing with her hair. It's like, why can't you have done that at the beginning? Mm-hmm. She ended up with a bob anyway. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we apparently heard that Robbie Duncan McNeil and Garrett Wong had sideburn implants. <laughs> yes. Which is a very interesting thing. <laughs> So now the episode Caretaker opened to 21 million viewers in America, apparently. I was one of those. I wasn't. But it's a... It was past your bedtime. It's a staggering amount of people. It was past my bedtime, yes. (laughs) But (laughs) 21 million people, you don't really get that many people watching shows nowadays. So I I sort of thought I'd look it up and see where if Mm -hmm. Caretaker aired today and that amount of people watched it where it would be in US figures in 2019. So by viewership, Caretaker would have been the 16th most watched show if it was done in 2019 based on those figures, and the second most watched non-sports show. Wow. With that amount of figures. That's insane. And it's also at that point greater than the whole entire population of Australia. That is insane. So that's the amount of people that actually watched Voyager. I mean, apparently it then dropped to 9 million for Parallax. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And then after Parallax. uh, 3 million come the end of the series. But regardless, that's probably you can put that down to franchise fatigue. But but to be that popular, it showed that there's just the juggernaut of Star Trek in that timeline Mm -hmm. in the 90s. and definitely. It's just amazing that we now get to see new shows of Star Trek with Discovery and Lower Decks and Picard and Strange New Worlds and the word that I can't say. Now, with all of these Star Treks coming out and happening, I want the resurgence of toys. Where are all my toys? Yeah, there really isn't anything, is there? I want my action figures. I want all of this stuff that I got in the 90s from Star Trek. I want it back. Where's my toys? <laughs> Do you reckon they'll bring them out? I mean, they have a whole load of Star Wars toys, but then Star Wars have, like, franchised themselves out to, like, Lego make things, mm-hmm. and you can buy them absolutely anywhere. So, I mean, Star I Trek, know. you can't. You can just really only buy them on the Star Trek website and Eagle Moss, and that's pretty much it. And Hallmark. Yeah, and it's like, it's like, come on, Playmates, get back in the game, because they used to make all of the little action figures. Yeah. Well, I think they will do with potentially lower decks and project. I can't say, yeah, that. I actually can't say that word. (laughs) It just comes out like a mess of things. So I was kind of annoyed that it was called that. But anyway. I would love to have some lower decks action figures. That would be hilarious, especially Bennett with a batleth. (laughs) I like (laughs) (laughs) honor. I did find it very funny. So the last thing I really wanted to say about UPN is that it became the CW. And I love shows from the CW because it's just all a bunch of attractive people <laughs> in shows. <laughs> Whenever I watch a show on Netflix and it says it's like a Netflix original, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, everyone's way too attractive. I look it up and then it's it's born from the CW. <laughs> so I'm like, yep, I love it. So if the UPN became the CW, didn't they just start another Paramount Network recently? Did they? 
I want to say they did. I'm going to look this up because I saw it like on my direct TV and I was like, huh? It's like, I thought that died years ago. There is a Paramount Network. Okay. Uh, can I, I'm really confused. Maybe you can clear this up for me from being a person okay. who's not actually from America. CBS, Viacom, yes. and Paramount. Are they all the same yes. thing? Or are they like completely different? Or what's the go with that? I think Viacom is the parent network of all of them. Okay. Or owns all of them because it's Viacom, Viacom, CBS, and Paramount. Okay. I don't know. Whatever it is, I, I'm just happy we get new Star Trek, to be quite honest. Yes. And if it's yes. on CBS All Access and you have to pay for it, pay for it. The only problem is... Here's my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, take all of my money. Exactly right. All right, shall we move on to the show's premise? It, it had a premise? Well, apparently. It did start off with one and only get ended with one. I don't think it ended at the end of season one with the same premise it started with. <laughs> no, but, obviously, but does any show really? No. Oh, well, no, look at Discovery. <laughs> That's all over the place. <laughs> but the plot points were sewn all the way through TNG and DS9 with the marquee. Yes. So that yes, this whole were. marquee versus Starfleet conflict thing could happen in Voyager. For two episodes. Yeah, for two <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it just turned out that DS9 did the whole marquee thing so much better anyway. Yeah. I guess you can probably say that Voyager, whilst it was designed to be a ship in the middle of nowhere trying to basically mm-hmm. exploring, it's it was sort of the opposite of TNG. Whereas TNG and TOS were like, let's go out there, we're going to go out and go away from home and seek out new lives and civilizations, etc. Voyager mm-hmm. was the opposite. It was chucked out there and then it had to get back. But we're still going to seek out new lives and new civilizations. Yeah, exactly. And but at the same time, they're reckon- boldly going where no one's gone before. Well, yeah. But they had no choice. Yeah, exactly. Which Do you think that hampered the show a little bit? I don't think so. And I, the more I think about it, they had so much going on with trying to stay alive. They had to focus on that instead of Okay, we got the marquee we got to deal with. Yeah. It would have been too much going on to have the marquee story, yet we're also fighting the Vidians. But if you And we're still fighting each other. I mean, if you if you look at it, that whole marquee thing could have been like a B plot throughout the whole thing. It doesn't have to be like yeah. the above the be all and end all of the storyline. I mean, you had Seska trying to get the K's on. That, that's that's oh, that's the Seska. kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that should have been carried on throughout all of Voyager, really. But what, well, when I Seska should have been carried on throughout uh, all of Voyager. Yeah. When I, when I say hampered, I mean the problem with the they were traveling home is that they were constantly leaving parts of space. Like it's not it's not like they're staying around with one sort of villain, you know. There's no Romulans all the time, or there's no like in Deep Space Nine, the Dominion, or even if you look at Stargate Atlantis, you've got the Wraith and then the Cylons in what is it, Battlestar Galactica? Yes, they're leaving areas of space, so they're leaving villains behind. But they could have done such a better job of making it like a one villain per season, you know, like the Deans and then screw the Kazon mm-hmm. and Herogen, etc. And Herogen, they yeah. could have really, really done that. And done a good job of that, but they sort of didn't. They could have stuck with Year of Hell being an actual year. Yeah, well, Brennan Braga wanted that, didn't he? So, yeah. 
which which and now we're living it. Oh God, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So it's, it's all Braga's fault. No, I'm I'm not being serious with that. Which sort of brings us to that point of serialization versus standalone episodes. So mm-hmm. the network wanted basically TNG light. They wanted TNG yes. episode by episode, things like ex post facto, nothing else happens after. Scientific method, you know, like they were literally like experimented on. Reset button. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Reset button. I mean, it's not always the reset button because you had things like. Well, two Vix. Oh, yeah. That was traumatic. Never mentioned again. No pictures of him. Nothing. No lizard babies. Lizard babies. Nothing. Yeah. Borg baby. Nothing. (laughs) It's like Chakotay's personality. Nothing. Hey. (laughs) No, but you you know what I mean. Like there were things that just happened and then no one spoke about again. Yeah. It's like even in Caretaker, they were effectively sexually assaulted in a way because they were trying to be Mm -hmm. not like full on, but it was technically kind of like that. It was probing. Yeah. It was definite probing. So, And and none of that was mentioned again in terms of the traumatic experiences that they faced. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. they they did sort of have the reset button for things like Timeless and Deadlock, but Mm -hmm. there are some things that did follow through, I guess. You had Demon and Course Oblivion. Um, hunters, prey, killing game, flesh and blood. Like there were some little arcs like that. Yeah. But I know Brandon Braga and Michael Pillar really wanted to make things a little bit more serialized. And I wish they would have done, but, you know, hindsight. It's still one of our favorite shows, yep. though, let's face it, isn't it, Suzanne? Definitely. But if the network's telling you, no, don't do that, you have to listen. Well, they're the one paying for it, aren't they? It's their money. <laughs> <laughs> the network was just dumb and didn't know any better. Yeah. Yeah. The Kazon, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the network was run by the Kazon. So say we say that we could have done a better job of making it one villain a season. That's exactly what we're going to be doing with the Janeway, isn't it, Suzanne? Yes, it is. Rewriting every season. Yeah, so in between our looks at episodes, we'll obviously be looking at rewrites as well, which will be cool. We already did that on our previous show, Onto the Journey. So we will mm-hmm. sort of... I wouldn't say reenact it, but we'll give you the lowdown on what we did with season one. Recap. That's probably the better word for it. Yeah. Previously on another podcast. (laughs) It's like, just press play. (laughs) But we would recap that quite well because we did a really good job of, I feel, doing doing the Vidians as season one villains. So we will get back to that. We promise. So the Delta Quadrant. That's a... We obviously went to the Alpha Quadrant and Beta Quadrants with... You know, Deep Space Nine, TNG, and TOS. You had the Gamma Quadrant with Deep Space Nine as mm-hmm. well. So really, where else was there to go and explore? Obviously, the Delta Quadrant. The Beta? Or did you say Beta? We had, we had some of the Beta Quadrant. But the Romulans are from the... No, the Klingons are from the Beta Quadrant, aren't they? Isn't that where Kronos ah, is? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How soon I forget Klingons. Oh, yes. Order! <laughs> <laughs> As we've already said, it's a complete opposite of the premise of Next Generation. Instead of going out and exploring, mm-hmm. they're coming back, trying to get to, I guess, what Voyager knows as normality. But the Delta Quadrant was unknown. Trying to get home. Yeah. The Delta Quadrant was unknown. And all we knew about yes. it was the Borg originated from there. Mm-hmm. So, so it had to be a bad place. Yeah, exactly. And there are a lot of, I guess, what I'd consider destitute worlds maybe maybe that's the right word i'm not sure but when you think about it like there's a whole load of really low 
socioeconomic sort of societies that could have been ravaged by the mm-hmm. Borg or by the Trabe, for example. There used to be mm-hmm. powerhouses there in the Delta Quadrant, but they're no longer around. So I was expecting when I heard Delta Quadrant to see actually more Borg worlds. Oh, yeah. We don't really see Borg worlds. No, that's probably something to do with money. We see Borg ships, but I wanted to see an actual world. Not that not that I would want them to go on the world, but, you know, just a couple long-range sensors. You didn't want to go and see how the Borg went think. shopping and whether the Borg wear masks. Borg grocery stores. Borg grocery stores. <laughs> Buy your nanoprobes here. <laughs> Only nine ninety nine. We will assimilate your purse. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> but like what, what what kind of annoys me in a lot of Star Trek is that we always seem to go to planets that are spacefaring societies but also look like really dingy places, you know, like medieval mm-hmm. style or medieval time markets or that kind of thing. And the one that, the one that really annoys me. Yeah, like open air markets. Yeah. It's like. Why are there never malls? You've got a walk. Well, there is. If you just look at Caretaker, it's the Theo Comp and Home World <laughs> of the shopping mall. <laughs> That's a convention center. Oh, it's not a shopping mall. It's a convention mall. center. Right, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best way for me to explain this, and sorry, listeners, it's not necessarily a Voyager episode, but it's the spacefaring aliens in Deep Space Nine that look like they had oatmeal on their face, and they're like, all they are is farmers. <laughs> Hey, oatmeal face. Yeah, those. I just, I just, I just can't. I'm like, why? You're a spacefaring alien race. You've got bloody warp drive. I don't know. And even, even the Bajoran. I'm sorry. It just, it, it sort of annoys me a little bit. That you are kind of like the the people in Insurrection. Yes. <laughs> we're really advanced, but we're not going to use any of that. Yeah, I know. That, that's some of the things. And like you go and. I suppose if you look at it realistically, the Borg probably, like, just trashed everywhere. You've got the Brunali planet. Mm-hmm. They've been trashed. You've got the planet that used to have a big civil... The Malon. Were the Malon destroyed by the Borg? No, but they're trash. Oh, well, they're... I mean, yeah, they are literally <laughs> trash. They're the garbodors of... <laughs> of the, oh, that's terrible. Pokemon reference. All I'm really trying to say there is that there's a lot of planets that have been, I guess, destroyed and are pretty dark places in the Delta Quadrant and it's a dangerous place. And it's kind of like everybody is so dangerous we want to try and get away from it to the point where they weren't xenophobic Voyager, Mm -hmm. but like the ideas behind the episodes potentially could have been. I don't know. No. I don't know. I'd I'd have to give that a think. Mm, Because it's sort of like, oh, alien race, they're bad. There's always a bad alien race. No one was really nice. Yeah, the aliens in Counterpoint weren't the Ocompen, nice. The Ocompas were, Ocompans were nice. Yeah, you could be right because every time they run into somebody nice, it's usually off screen and we hear, yeah, they gave us these maps or these supplies and we don't get to see those people. Yeah, I reckon that's probably the case. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. It's always like dingy worlds and nasty people and episode of the week trying to get past them and yeah yeah why don't we talk about some of our favorite episodes suzanne do you have a top episode or some favorites oh good grief i did not prepare a list 
That's exactly the point. What comes to the top of your mind will potentially be the best best episodes. Uh, Shattered is definitely up there for, as one of mm-hmm. mine. Uh, the 37s. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, that's just fun <laughs> and Amelia Earhart. And you did not expect a, an old pickup truck in space. Yep. Oh, Year of Hell. Definitely. I think Year of Hell is one of those episodes that everyone likes across all of Star Trek just because the whole premise of it is so cool. And it's probably just making a comeback this year because it literally is the Year of Hell this year. Because it is. For everyone. It's not like one of those. Avoid 2020 at all costs. To be honest, you know, like how people say at the end of every year, oh, 2016 was such a terrible year. This celebrity died. (laughs) And and I'm like, oh, 2017 (laughs) was so bad because this person also died and they're taking away all our celebrities. I think everyone can be justified in saying 2020 has been a bad year just because it's affected so many people. Well, it's affected everyone. Yeah. Everyone has been affected by it. The last time I said it was an awful year was the year Carrie Fisher died. Yeah, but um, I mean, to be honest, I get sad because they're influential people, but to Mm -hmm. me, a celebrity dying is just the same as a person dying, but I'm very unemotional about that kind of thing. so many people are dying Mm -hmm. needlessly. Yeah, exactly. So it is officially is the year of hell. And do you know what? Let's invite Kurtwood Smith to bring out his old time dildo (laughs) and... (laughs) let's fix this (laughs) and fix it come on krenim fix it for us he can even you know morph into red from that 70s show and be like jackass (laughs) (laughs) i saw him in an episode of suits the other day i'm like oh yay for me i think obviously year of hell but ones that stick into my mind right now and there are so many good episodes that I do mm-hmm. enjoy from Voyager things like distant origin scientific method they they come into my head mm-hmm. they're the ones I'm thinking about at the moment I unapologetically like fury because I love Kess of course you do and warlord warlord is so good she was amazing yeah. in that episode just amazing yeah. and then um just episodes like Deadlock, Death Wish, Timeless. They're, they're, they're just all the big episodes, mm-hmm. but there are a few episodes in there that are really thought-provoking. Oh, I forgot Killing Game. Oh, Killing Game, definitely. Love Killing Game. If I gave you, I'll give you two seconds, mm-hmm. Suzanne, to think about this next question. What is oh, your gosh. least favorite episode of Voyager? Two seconds. One, <laughs> two, go. I, I can't think of the name. Oh, my gosh, the Lizard Babies no! one. No! Oh, Threshold is not the worst episode. There's plenty of worse episodes than Threshold. Threshold's interesting. Oh, no. No? No. So, The Fight? No. Or Workforce? I knew you were going to say The Fight. The Fight is a load of shit. (laughs) You leave my Chakotay alone. I mean, I'll I'll take shirtless Chakotay, but I'll I'll get rid of the episode. I want the whole thing. (laughs) I want it all. And... Do you have a favorite character from Voyager, Suzanne? It's a very hard choice. To to actually narrow it down to one? Captain Janeway. Captain Janeway? Yep. Captain Janeway. Has to be every single time. Why is that? Because she was spunky. You knew not to mess with her. And as soon as she walked into a room, she commanded it. Amen. Amen. She's a very strong act actor for the role and a very strong character. And 
That's why we're doing this show the Jane way because you know there's a lot of exactly there's a lot of reasons for her decisions that some other Starfleet captains wouldn't take, and being out there on the frontier, well, I wouldn't even say a frontier. I just say being completely lost. <laughs> she has to make so many decisions that she has to decide herself, and that's why we are called mm-hmm. the Jane way because she has to take things in the Jane way. And a lot of those decisions, she has no time to think about them. No. It's just a gut decision. Yeah. So that, that's, that's why we're doing this show. To me, my favorite character would be, and this is very hard because it t- jumps up and down so much. I can tell you it's not Harry Kim, and I can tell you <laughs> it's not Tuvok, and it's not Tom Paris. Hmm, I wonder who it is. But then this is where things start getting difficult because I love Janeway. It's not Chakotay. Mm-hmm. I knew that. I I really like Bellana. Mm-hmm. But it's Neelix. Oh, I actually completely <laughs> forgot he existed for just for that for this purpose. It's not Neelix. But it's Seven, the Doctor, and Kess. Mm-hmm. And to me, the more I talk about Kess, the more I enjoy her. And I'm going to say it is Kess because she's just so calming and because my life has been so stressful recently with work and the podcasting thing sort of being a very interesting situation. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, I needed calm in my life and I sort of just thought, I'm sort of relating that Kess is... I just kind of feel Kess is what I needed at the moment, and Kess is kind of my favorite character for that purpose at this stage. Did you think? That did, makes absolutely did you think I was going to say Kess? Absolutely, I would have put money on yeah, it because Janeway, no, Seven and the Doctor are sometimes like up there as well. Yeah, but not as much as Kess. Mm, I just love Kess. I just love her so much. I think you've told me that at time or fifty. I know, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. Now I'm going to get deep with you, Suzanne. Uh-oh. What does Voyager mean to you? If I had to bring it down to just one word, it's family. Yeah? Why? Elaborate, as Seven would say. <laughs> <laughs> These people all thrown together have to find a way to exist with each other. And not just exist, they begin caring for one another. And that proves that a lot of times... Family is people you're with that you choose to be with, not necessarily who you've been saddled with by birth Mm. or genetics. They go out of their way to help each other and do things for each other. Do you relate to that? Mm, Sometimes, yes. Other times, no. My family's not that close. No? I wish. But I've chosen different family. My podcasting family. (laughs) (laughs) My Trek family. There's, you can find family in different ways, not just, again, who you were assigned at birth. Mm. And I think Voyager did that. Everyone became family towards the end. They did and created families as well with Belana and Tom. One. Well, Yeah. Should have been Generational more. ship, hello. We only bonked once. Yeah. <laughs> I guess to me, Voyager means it's difficult. 
I, I, I totally get the whole family vibe and Voyager is a family mm-hmm. vibe. You're stuck with people, but you have to make the most of it, but then they come to love each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard for me to say what it means to me because I think it's just something that I grew up with and it's more nostalgic. Yeah. I like to approach my life in a way that Janeway probably would. Mm-hmm. Try and do things strong and no shit, but try and stick to morals, even if I am a bit evil. <laughs> loose with them. <laughs> I'm not loose with my morals, am I? <laughs> I probably am. No. I live to my own set of morals. <laughs> there you go. Make up your own rules. Exactly. This works for Liam. I do things the smart way. <laughs> but I'm pop. In just like the Jane way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Voyager is a very, very, it, it means a lot to me. And it is, to me, the most, is my favorite show subjectively. It's not got the best storyline. It's got not, not got the best stories of all the tracks. Mm-hmm. But it just. It's, it's, it's sort of my comfort blanket. It's where I go to. I'm just like, I just want to watch an episode of Star Trek. It's I'm just going to dump on, you know, vis-a-vis or something like that mm-hmm. and watch it and just mindlessly enjoy it and feel comforted by it. Not that I can actually remember what that episode was about. Isn't that a, like a body jumper? Oh, this is that Steth one. Yeah. Yeah, it's the- Yes, Steth, the body, body jumper. Yeah. See, I can even sit and enjoy that, even though I think it's a bit of a meh episode, but- who was the guy from Frasier, if I'm not mistaken? I have no idea. I haven't watched Frasier. <gasps> that would be my nostalgia show. No. <laughs> I love Frasier. Voyager is definitely my mis- nostalgia show. So, But yeah, it just it means a lot to both of us, I guess, Voyager. And for our listeners too, if you're listening to a Voyager podcast, Voyager must mean something to you because let's face it, it has not been airing since 2001. So if you're listening to us drivel on about oh. Voyager, you must like it. That was so long ago, and it's the 25th anniversary this year, Mm -hmm. and they don't even get to hang out with each other at Star Trek Las Vegas, which was supposed to be a huge thing. I know. I'm so glad that I didn't go to STLV this year, because I was like, do I spend money that I do not have to come to America to go to STLV? And I'm like, ha, 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 no, and good job I haven't. Let's let's wait for the 30th. Well, I might have to now, because there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to afford it. Well, I'm, th- I'm thinking about going then. For the so. 30th? Oh, I'll see you okay. there. Okay, so five years. When's that? 2025. I could make that work. I'll try. I'll see if I can convince Jordan to make it work because I do want to do to on a Voyager anniversary. We'll see. Listeners, 2025, STLV. Oh, does that mean I got a cosplay? What? Yeah. Oh, what should I cosplay as? Lizard baby. Oh, I was about to say something so inappropriate. Satan's robot. <laughs> I couldn't get that in my luggage. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We went with favorite main character. Mm-hmm. Favorite secondary character. So like recurring. Oh, Seska. Cast member. Hands down, Seska. I, w- I was going to say no Seska. No Seska. Because that's obvious. Uh, and it has to be recurring. So it can't be someone like Rain Robinson or yeah. um, Lon Suda. We have to have seen them at least twice. At least, well, technically, Future's End Part 1 and Part 2. That doesn't count. Okay. Um, oh, this is hard because there's not many actors that appeared twice. <laughs> I did have a little crush on Echeb when I was younger. Okay. But I wouldn't say he's my favourite. 
I might say Naomi, to be honest. Naomi. Maybe followed by Lon Suda. Oh, but then there's also oh, yes. Vorik. Oh. <laughs> and I did kind of have a crush on Ayala. I had a crush on a lot of people. <laughs> oh, Ayala. Who never said a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get Naomi Wildman. She just is so much older than her age. Her mental age is so much older. She's had to, She's the only kid on that starship. She gloms on to seven. And Scarlett Palmer is a wonderful actor as well. What about you? No Seskas. No Seska. Come on, this is an easy guess. Easy guess? Uh-huh, if you're going to guess. Oh, um, what season? Uh, seasons one through seven. Oh, piss off. <laughs> he has his own action figure. Oh, no. not Oh, it's <laughs> Joe Carey, isn't it? It is Joe Carey. <laughs> oh, come on. Joe Carey was a good guy. He didn't deserve the end he got. Yeah. No, he deserved to be ripped apart by a Vidian, really. <gasps> I was, I'm not a fan of Joe Carey. And it says so much that Captain Jamie couldn't go back about four or five more episodes in Endgame to get to take him back. Even she didn't think much of him. So, I think that's because she wanted to keep his Voyager in a bottle. <laughs> Selfish. This was in the will. <laughs> he left it to the captain. Joe Carey's will. I made a bottle for you, a bottle ship, Captain. When I die, please have this. Don't give it to my children when you get home. You keep it. <laughs> it's like, if you do want to come back to get me and do some time traveling shenanigans, <laughs> please don't, because I want you to have this bottle. <laughs> and please, if anything happens to me, don't have seven used nanoprobes to bring me back. I want to die a natural death. For no absolute reason whatsoever. It's like, just, just, just be shot. I need to, I need to be the <laughs> shock factor for the ship. <laughs> Everyone mourn me. It's like, oh yes, one of one of the series regulars is going to die. Let's bring back this guy that we <laughs> haven't seen in a few seasons. <laughs> Regular. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Poor Joe. So on that note, Suzanne, <laughs> I think we should wrap this up. <laughs> So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to us. We really appreciate it. Anyone who listens to our nonsensical <laughs> ramblings is awesome in our opinion. So, Suzanne, do you want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am KJanway8. I am also found at Stained Sass, which is my Stained Glass Creations website, if you want to check that out. If you like Stained Glass and you like Star Trek, I can hope. They're you. really good listeners. Really good. You should make a Borg cube next, actually. Oh my gosh. That would be really hard. I don't care. Make me one and then I will buy it. Except then I have to pay for postage and it'll probably get destroyed. But anyway. <laughs> Liam, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at LS74656. You can also find me here doing the Vedic Assembly, which is our Deep Space Nine podcast. And Suzanne is throwing her arms up in the air right now because she forgot to say that she's also on Boldly Go, the network's Strange New Worlds podcast. Yes, with the amazing Brandy Jackson. Yes, who's also on the Vedic Assembly. She she is (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) So just remember to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is thejane underscore way. 
and on Facebook in our listeners group, The Nexus. Until next time, remember to keep doing things not the right way, not the wrong way, but the Jane way. Dismiss. That's a Starfleet expression for get out. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. During the whole lockdown around the world, Enterprise is having a surge in popularity. I don't know if you've seen it. That's what I've been hearing. It's crazy, like the Facebook groups, Twitter, everyone is talking about Enterprise. And I didn't realize so many Trek fans had never even watched it. It's nuts. People call themselves lifelong Trekkies who've never watched it and are loving it now. I said to someone a week or two ago, I said, look, I'm so glad that you're finally getting around to watching it and enjoying it. But where were you guys (laughs) 15 years ago when we needed? you when the show is on the edge then ultimately got cancelled loading hollow suite preview program for there are four questions a star trek spotlight podcast i mean but of course i'm hoping that in the future drag is a whole lot easier (laughs) hopefully it doesn't take like two hours to get done up right because i'd be late for all my duty shifts so (laughs) they'd be like red alert captain of the bridge i'd be like uh just a minute (laughs) just gotta tuck here put my wig on (laughs) could you imagine yes yes i could Loading Holosuite preview program for Starbase One, a Star Trek online podcast. I don't really think that's a good idea. I order you to do it right now. Warning, the structural integrity field has collapsed. This is Admiral Quinn. You will be assigned to Starbase One. Welcome to Starbase One. I'm Colin. I'm Admiral Aaron. I'm Dave. I'm Steve. And I'm Tom. Starbase One is a dedicated Star Trek Online podcast. If you're a first-time listener, hello. If you're a dedicated decade listener and you've been wondering where the hell we are, we're back. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.